Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that, that's here. We thank you for this church family that we could gather here together this morning. Lord, we, um, I want to pray for the synagogue out in California and those, those people, this, those, the family and the people that have been through the, the shooting out there. We lift them up to you, Lord, and we ask you just to continue to move in their lives. And we pray, Lord, through this circumstance that you would reveal your son through the presence of your Holy Spirit to them. Father, in the name of Jesus. And let's all say this out loud. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now to change me to become more like Jesus. I want to leave myself behind. Help me to receive your word, to receive your truth, so that I leave here today imitating my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you guys today about effortless Christianity. Say it ain't so. Anybody know where that phrase came from? Say it ain't so. Anybody know where that came from? Well, Xavier, you don't, where's it? Oh, as a meme? Yeah, very good. We can hear it. People say it all the time. It comes from the early 1920s, I think, uh, World Series where they were, where there was a rumor that Joe Jackson had cheated so that they would uh, lose the World Series. And so that's why people came up with a say it ain't so, Joe. Actually, they always throw the name in there. But say it ain't so. See, a lot of us, we think that Christianity does take a lot of effort. And, and the Lord has told us that when we walk down this path with him, that it's narrow. We could choose the path that is wide, that is easy, but there's parts of our Christianity that he really wants to make easy for us. He really wants it to be effortless for us. Let's take a look at, if you would, go to, to your Bible, go to Acts chapter 19 and uh, pull it up on your phone. Um, we're going to look at several verses in here. Acts chapter 19 I remember back in the day, Michael, when you used to hear those Bibles. Now you don't hear much at all. Um, anyway, so, but turn on, to look on your phone or look in your Bible. Let's look at Acts chapter uh, 19. Let's start at, at, um, at verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So this is talking about the early church. This is talking about Paul going into Ephesus and where he later on um, writes things to the Ephesian people. But this is about 20 years after the day of Pentecost. This is about 20 years after the Holy Spirit has been uh, been manifested here in the upper room. And in verse 2, and it says, And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not uh, so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3. And he said to them, Unto then, unto what were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on the Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues, and they began to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. Now I'm in verse 8. Let's keep reading here. And and when uh, he went into the synagogue, he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning all of these things about the in the kingdom of God. I did a little research on here, and that when Paul went into the synagogue, he started at 11 a.m. and he finished at 6 p.m. every day. Can you imagine going in and teaching? And when he says reasoning with them, we know what was going on. There was the religious people there. Some people were receiving what he had to say, but in his reasoning, a lot of it, he was he had to argue. He had to make a defense of of who Jesus Christ really was and who he was and why he came to earth and what and how he did proclaim truth that he was the son of God and he was God. Then in verse 9, but when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, the way there is is a capital way. They they were talking that that Jesus did things or Jesus was part of something evil. Um, Before the multitude, he departed and he withdrew with the disciples and reasoning in the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus is, is I think this is just really interesting. I love looking up. I am in no way a Greek scholar. Um, I can barely speak English. Uh, and even then, I spit my gum at people. But Tyrannus, it means the school. It means a school of building up, which I think is really fascinating. So he's teaching them at this place that means a school to build up, is what it means, that Greek definition of the word Tyrannus there. Um, in chat, uh, excuse me, verse 10 and this continued for two years, so that, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Greeks and Jews. So all of the people in Asia were hearing about Jesus Christ and that he was the Savior and he was truly the Son of God. Look at verse 11. We'll read a few more verses here. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left the people, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the uh, the leaders of the Jews came out as exorcists and took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord, whoever... Um, whoever had, had had evil spirits saying, we exercise you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also, uh, also there were the seven sons of Sceva, a, a Jewish priest who did so. And when the evil spirit answered, answered and said to them, Jesus, I know you, and I, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Then the men whom the evil spirits had leaped leaped upon them and overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So these guys, there was some serious stuff. Now, you know that this is not a fun kind of naked because that's naked, right? Right? They was naked. So that's like on cops. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, so they fled out of the house. So they were beat up. They were tormented. They were scratched. They were probably close to death, and they and they were also they were they were naked. This came to, um, became known to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and a fear came upon them. And the name of Jesus was then magnified. Here's something I want to get to in reading all of this. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who practice magic 
brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. I read online today, this would be about $250 million today. Can you imagine, say we go to uh, Neyland Stadium, and people brought in books that, that were $250 million and burned them, they would be making a huge statement. Then in the last verse here in verse 20, it says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. You guys, one of the things that I think that we all do and I do as a believer is at, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, more than 30 years, but sometimes I still feel like I have to take all of my knowledge of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. And then if something isn't going right, or I have to try to figure something out, then I kind of tend to kind of mix in my own little thing and try to make it right. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We tend to kind of mix in our little thing. This is interesting because these people that came with their books that burned them, they were followers of Jesus. But we see as you read through the book of Acts, or, or the, book of, uh, the book of Acts, all the, the moves of the Holy Spirit, in ver- but in chapter 19, 20 years after the day of Pentecost, there's believers that came to Paul, they had been baptized, they had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because they had been baptized. They said, we've been baptized by uh, into John's baptism. And sometimes we get things in, in our simplistic way of talking uh, about Scripture. We use the word baptism, the Holy Spirit, and then a baptism by John's baptism. The word baptism that he's talking about where, you, where you're baptized, you get dunked, there's a baptism of repentance where the Bible says that you're raised up with a new life. That's the Greek word baptismo. And this, I think this is really interesting. It, the word baptismo, the definition of that means to be grafted in. If you've ever seen somebody that's been burned and they take skin from their leg and put it on their arm and the skin grows together, that's what it means. When you are part of the body of Jesus Christ, you are grafted in. But when he's talking about being, there's scripture that talks about being baptized or being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a different Greek word. It's the Greek word many of you have probably heard of, dunamos. Some people pronounce it a little differently, but it means means power. It's where we get the word dynamite from um, in English. So there's two different times of baptisms. And I know I've worked at different ministries before, and I've worked with people that are a lot of different, with a lot of different denominations. And they'll say, well, what do you mean? I don't, I don't have the Holy Spirit because I've accepted Jesus. I'm saying, well, you do have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have been grafted in and the spirit of God lives inside of you. Paul told us that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He dwells in us, that it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. But you can see that these believers, they found something different. They found something different than Paul brought to them, and they had an encounter with God that was different than their born-again experience. You guys following me? They had an experience where the Holy Spirit engulfed them and changed them and changed them so much that the power of the Holy Spirit, and I believe wisdom came upon them to discover, you know what? I've got this magic stuff over here I've been doing, but I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been trying to kind of mix the two. And when we mix the two, everything gets heavier and it gets more difficult because the thing that we bring into that ingredient of following him takes away the effortlessness and it becomes more work. Let's look at these verses again a little bit more. Go to the next slide here for me. Um, Can you go back? One or two? 
Yeah, go back again. Yeah, so anyway, so he's talking about when did they receive when did they receive the Holy Spirit or when were how were they how did they what spirit or baptism did they receive? And upon hearing this, he said he laid hands on them, and when he laid hands on them, something miraculous happened. Go to the next slide. And many of those who believed came openly and they confessed what they had done. A number practiced sorcery, brought their skulls together, and they burned them publicly. You guys, there's times that, um, I'll be honest with you, I get to travel and I get to go to different churches. And um, I used to live in Los Angeles. My pastors there used to say that the United States is obviously on a slant because every nut flake and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> rolls, to the, rolls to the West Coast. The thing I see happening in churches nowadays where um, it's just in Colorado and, and a friend of mine was telling me that they're, and it's a ch- huge church, 16,000 people, and the pastor's now swearing from the pulpit. And I'm just like, really? And uh, just different things. And I was with some other friends of mine, and they're like, yeah, our church is really trying to get lost people to come, so we have the, the coffee station now, but you can go and you can get like five or six different kinds of wine. And don't, don't get me wrong, if, you're, if you drink wine, that's between you and, you and, you and Jesus, um, and what you do at home is is between him and you and him, and it's and it's it's not none of my business. But there's things that we do where we try to add our own ingredient to reach the world, and Jesus never called us to do that. There's things that they were doing here where they were trying to add their own portion to the ingredient, which actually was was really hurting with them. And actually, it was I'm sure it was causing um, evil spirits and things to be stirred up within them. But you know, the Bible had never says anything, go be like the world so you can reach them. What does it say? It tells us that we are sanctified. What does sanctified mean? Does it mean to be set apart? He said, I have set you apart as we are in his ambassadors. We are to imitate him. And when the more that we can do that, the more effortless our Christianity becomes. Amen. Great thing I wanted to, to mention to you this morning. Let's go back to this one, one point here that I wanted to make. When we're working with God, go to the next slide there for me, please. When we're, when we're, when we're, when we're working with God and we have this deep relationship with Him and we're relying upon Him, His grace kicks in. And grace allows us the opportunity and His truth points the way. When I was in, um, I just flew back from Denver last week and, um, I had an early flight, and so I wanted to get something to eat at the Denver airport. And I looked at the McDonald's line, which was like 15 people, and next to it was the Chick-fil-A line, which seriously had like 60 people in it. And, of course, I picked Chick-fil-A because I'm a Christian, and I, I, I have to eat there. But anyway, so but I go, so and it has like the little turnstiles, and you got to go through. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could just get an Egg McMuffin and sit down. But uh, anyway, so... So I'm doing that, and as I go through, as I'm going through the turnstile, the turnstile at McDonald's kind of butts up against the Chick-fil-A um, turnstile. And for those of you who don't know, I've talked about this a little bit. My, my mom passed away in uh, April. She had been sick for many years. My dad just passed away about two months ago. And I just the stress of, you, I drive from Ohio back home. I get a call. Oh, dad's done blah, blah, blah. His blood pressure is 60 over 36. Can you come back? And just, it just, it's so hard. Some of you have been through that. It's so hard and it's so emotional. And so, anyway, so I got my food and I'm kind of going through the little exit place as they have roped off. And I walk by a family. 
was, um, there was an older girl, maybe like 23, 24, and, and some teenagers sitting with her. I take it that they were probably related, but I was like, she puts down her phone, and I walk by, and, um, and I hear her say, they're taking her to ICU, and she starts crying. And I thought, oh my gosh, can I, I don't even know what's happening, but I can relate to this person. And then I heard one of the teenagers say, what is ICU? And they, they cry. And she's like, I can't even eat. I, and she just puts her sandwich in her bag. So I get my stuff and I sit down and I'm just like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do something. And so I, um, I set my stuff down and I walk over to the table and I just squatted down and I said, Look, I know you don't know me, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't tell people I'm a Christian because that can just mean anything. I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I said, I'm not trying to be nosy or anything. I said, but I was walking through the line. I walked by your table and I heard what you said. And it sounds like you have a relative that's sick. And she said, yo, it's our mom. We were flying home from here. Our mom lives here. And now we're not sure what to do. And I just said, can I just take a minute and pray for you? And they just joined hands. And I put my hand on the, on the teenage kid because I wasn't going to you know, do the Joe Biden thing and sniff somebody's shoulder or anything like that. Um, but no, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to be really cautious about what I did. And I didn't want to come across as a freak. But, but you guys, so anyway, so I prayed with them and they cried. I don't even know if they knew the Lord or not. But my heart just went out to these people. But grace allows, gives us that opportunity. And knowing his truth helps us to just effortlessly, even though I had to really set myself aside and go, okay, I may look like an idiot. They may cuss at me. They may be Buddhists, you know, and want to rub my belly, which would be really weird. Um, but, but I did. I, I stepped out and I went to them and I was so glad that I did. And they were glad that I did. But it's His grace who gives us the gives us the power to step out of the what seems to be natural, just to say, "Okay, I'll pray for them," or just to ignore it. But but He get, but His in His truth helps us to take that to them. Let's look at the um, the next verse here that I wanted us to take a look at in, in Ephesians. It says, "We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." The reason why I wanted to bring this verse up to you guys today is one to all of us need to remember He's still working in all of us. But one of the things I love about this word workmanship in the Greek it means this: it's the same word as a person that's an artist, a sculptor, a person that's writing a poem. That's the way God. That's the way God is with us. He's. It's like we're a painting, or we're a sculpture, or we're a, we are a poem, and He's continually writing us. He's continually paint, finishing the painting. He's continually finishing the sculpture because we are His workmanship. And He has created us, and He's done this before the beginning of time that we can walk out what He's called us to do. Look at the next point here. The next point I want to make here is with effortless Christianity, one of the things we do is we just look at our shame. Well, Rick, you just don't know what's been happening in my life. You don't know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. So a lot of times that we do, then we kind of we take our sh- we take our shame, and then that pushes down our potential. Once again, we're adding our own human ingredient into what God has called us to do and who He has called us to be, and it takes the effortless part and makes us work for it. 
Look at the next. Let's look at Matthew. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter or Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-five. At the time, Jesus answered, said, "Thank you, Father, the Lord of heaven of earth, and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent." and have revealed them to the babes. He's talking about different things that, that the Lord has been revealing, that he's been sharing with people that are followers, followers of him. How many of you guys know that the Lord, he did not pick the wisest people, right? He did not pick the wisest people and say, okay, well, here's the one that I can use. He did not pick the people that were the smartest or had the greatest personality. He, he chose all of us that were willing to walk with them. And that's what he's saying here. And verse 26, even so, Father, for it is, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he says in verse 28, I love this, and this will be a verse that all of you guys are familiar with, I'm, I'm sure. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How does that happen? Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know about you guys, but I'm telling you, man, I'm living in a time in my life where I need a rest for my soul. I need a rest for my soul. And I keep thinking, I got to take a vacation. I need to get out of town. I need to go make this about me, which is all great. And that's, that, that can be a great thing. But man, I need rest in my soul. Then he says this. So, and he says, uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What exactly does that mean? Go to the next slide here for me. By the way, don't you guys just love my little, little word hog? You guys are. Anybody wanting to sing? Anybody wanting to sing a Kuna Matata when you sing that? When I was a young warthog. All right, um, but let, I want to read this to you out of the the Message Bible, out of this verse, and check this out. He says, "Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion?" Then he, next slide. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I did it. Look, and I love how it says this. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. Man, when you walk in those rhythms of grace where you're just kind of walking and you're just kind of flowing and going and you're hanging out with Him, you walk in those things that are the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Go back two slides for me, would you guys? I'm going to show you this. Go back one more. You guys all know that these are yokes. I know you guys have seen these probably at different things, especially in that part of the country where you live. But these yokes are put on two different are put on two different animals. We know because they're 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 working. 
But one of the things that I thought was really interesting when, when, when kind of looking at this, some of you guys may know this from maybe farming or relatives or something like that, but when yokes were made for specific animals, the, they just didn't grab a yoke and make them all the same and just kind of put them through the yoke factory and put them on an animal. The yokes were all measured and, and weighed so that they would fit a specific animal. And that's what they wore all the time. They always had the same yoke when they were working. And that's what Jesus is talking here about, about living these unforced rhythms of grace, is that when we take the, the efforts that we're putting in and take the effortless route, that's how... I, 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 I spent many years as a Christian going, how is His burden light and this yoke easy? I'm working my tail off for Jesus. It's not about working and what we see happening. It's about us relaxing. It's about us, like Paul, like Isaiah said, that our good works are like filthy rags. Like Paul said, that there is no one made righteous by obeying the law. You know, the Jews, when they were uh, when they would confront Jesus about working on the Sabbath and healing someone, not working on the Sabbath, but healing someone on the Sabbath. Do you know the Jews made? They had over six hundred laws that they added to the Bible, they added to the Old Testament, 600 new laws that you could not do on the Sabbath. And get this, one of them was that if you spit in dirt, you were making mud and you were in sin. I mean, that's how crazy it got. It's adding to that makes it so much harder than relaxing and and knowing that we are righteous in His sight. What does righteous mean? It means you have right standing with Him. If you are a believer and you are a follower of Jesus and you have made Him your Savior and His blood covers all of your sin, God sees you as righteous. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's the ingredients. Let's check these out. So, so let me finish this up. So with the, with the yoke, when, you, when Jesus makes the yoke for you, it is made specifically to fit you perfectly so that when you walk it out and it's every day, it's light and it's easy. Let's take a look at the ingredients. I picked a warthog because I, I was like, I need something that just says, I'm just taking it easy. And he's, he's taking it easy, isn't he? Um, uh, anyway, so the ingredients for the effortless, his yoke is easy, grace-filled life. So I'm going to give you five points for this this morning and then we'll finish up. The first one is to know your enemy. To know your enemy. Turn over to John chapter 10. And I want you guys to, I want to, I want to really, um, I want to share this with you because um, when someone shared this with me about 12 years ago, it was pretty fascinating. Uh, it was fascinating to me. So um, let's look at John chapter 10, um, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3. To him the doorkeeper and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and the sheep know his voice. 
When I was younger, um, we lived on about five acres. We lived out in the country, and my neighbors were on about 10 acres. People up the road from us had about 12 acres. So there was a lot of room between all of our houses. But, of course, I grew up in, uh, in the 70s. And so when my parents turned us outside, like I would leave on my bike, and I was, there were times I would go uh, to the most happening place in town where I was growing up, and that was the Kmart. Shows you how old I am. So we would ride to the to the Kmart, and it, you know how far? It was 23 miles to the Kmart. And we would get up early in the morning, and we would, uh, and, and, and we didn't know helmets, and we would get on our bikes, and we would go 23 miles to the Kmart and get an Icy and a candy bar and hang out and run around, and we would ride home. And my parents never... Wondered, oh, I wonder whether where he, wonder where he is. We would be out in the neighborhood. We got a swing set and we put a bunch of chicken wire on it and we made it into a backstop and we played baseball on this field for hours and hours and hours in the summertime. But one of the things that was interesting is there was about six families that we all hung out with. And when our dads were at home and it was time to eat dinner, the dad would go out on the back porch and and everybody's dad whistled, and everybody's dad went, but you know what? Every kid knew their dad's whistle. My dad's whistle sounded different than Bob Whitmore up the street. My dad's whistle seemed different than Gary Collins down the end of the road. I knew my dad's whistle, and buddy, when dad whistled, you better get home. Your butt's going to look like two Japanese flags if you don't hurry. But we had... <laughs> Some people are Japanese flags... We, ha we had to hurry home. But my point is that everybody's dad whistled, but we all knew our own dad's whistle. And that's what it's like, that God wants us to be so intimate with him that we would recognize his voice like he's talking here. Look at verse 5. And yet they will in no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the for they for they do not know the voice of strangers. One of the verses, go to the... Oh, thank you for putting that up there. So go to the next slide there for me. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, um, you know, we have this the verse in John chapter 10, and I'm not going to read it for you because you guys, well, it talks about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We hear this all the time in church. And so what happens is as we start to kind of throw our own efforts into this ingredients of walking out grace and our faith, then something happened. Well, it was just the devil because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. destroy. Let me give you something that I think is fascinating. And when someone told me this, I didn't believe him. And I had to get on my computer and I went through a bunch of concordances because I said, these guys are so wrong, but they weren't. When the Bible in John chapter 10 talks about the thief, it is not talking about the devil. I just read to you, he's talking about the sheep, the gatekeeper. He's talking about pastors. Check this out. Taken right from the Greek, the word thief, it's an embezzler, one who pilfers words that bring destruction. Thief is translated to a false teachers who do not care to instruct men, but other than abuse their confidence for their own gain. Jesus is saying, I am the gatekeeper. You can only come through me and you will recognize my voice. And you will recognize the voice of a stranger. But when it comes to the thief, once again, sometimes I get concerned about the body of Christ. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes, you do, sometimes we get off into the deep end. We get do, do, 
weird, weird things. But I'm telling you, the thief, if you don't know who you are in Jesus Christ and someone's not teaching you that they are robbing you. And what else did we always hear? Well, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Man, he's coming after my family. Not the devil, guys. Well, we got to remember the last part of that verse. And Jesus says, but when you know me, when you come to me, when you walk with me, you have life and you have it more what? Abundantly. When you are with a great pastor and teachers and people that are training you and equipping you, they are the, known as the gatekeeper. They are the door. They are helping you to come to Christ the right way. But let's look at, so we look at these things about what a thief is. Let's look, what did Jesus mean when he talked about having a life that's more abundantly? Check it out. Abundantly. There's these, there's, I actually cut the definition down because it's pretty long. Exceedingly abundantly, supremely, further, much more than plain. The person that you are, you are much more than plain. You are living a life in abundance. Look at this. Superior, extraordinary, surprising, the uncommon. You guys have heard me talk about this before. When the Bible says that we have to be holy because He is holy, we're like, oh, Jesus is holy. I have to be holy and spiritual. doesn't mean that at all. The word holy means uncommon. You need to be uncommon because our God is uncommon. He's not like the one you have to lay down and pray to and hope that he hears, he hears your prayer. He is uncommon to every other God that people worship on the planet. But he says, says this, superiority, advantage, more, than, more eminent, more remarkable, beyond measure to exceed. That is us. And the body of Christ said, hallelujah, that's us. Look at the next thing here. Number two for your ingredients is take in and recognize the Holy Spirit allowing Him to be active in your life. We saw in the book of Acts in 19 where they were following Christ and they had an encounter with God that changed them. That is what God is calling all of us to do and to have. You've probably heard people talk about this before. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, something different happens with you, but there's a constant filling. It's not just this one encounter, but it, but it can start with one encounter, but it's a constant filling and receiving and encountering with God. Next, look at the next thing here. Anybody here maybe know what this is? Very good. You guys are so smart. The um, I don't know if you guys are, anybody here, have you guys ever heard of Dr. Cho? He has the largest church in the world. How many of you guys have heard of Dr. Cho before? He has this, yeah, in, in, in South Korea, yeah. It's a church over, um, has one million people. He came to my church when I lived in LA when their church was just like a measly 500,000 people. He was embarrassed. No, I'm kidding. Um, and, uh, but they were, I remember he, they were baptizing around 6,000 new converts a month. And uh, he was teaching his congregation on the faith of a mustard seed. And every time I read this scripture or hear about this, I always think of this because, you know, he's from South Korea. And, he's, and uh, he said, so my congregation, they do not know mustard seed. So I said, someone get mustard seed and I will be at the church tomorrow. And outside I hold mustard seed, you come to see mustard seed. This is how he, this is, you know, I'm not making fun. This is just how he talked. And this just makes it a little more inter entertaining story. 
And so anyway, so he told us this story, and he said, so he had the mustard seed in his hand, and he, he uh, showed up at the church, and he was thinking, I don't know how many people he was thinking would come and see the mustard seed, but there was like thousands of people coming to see the mustard seed. And he said, oh, the people would say, oh, mustard seed is so small. Oh, mustard seed is really small. And then he told us that this lady walked up, and she, oh, mustard seed, oh, oh, and the mustard seed flew away. She like blew it out of his hand, and it fell on the ground. So then hundreds of people are on the ground looking for the mustard seed. And um, anyway, just um, that always makes me think of that. But anyway, so, but the mustard seed is really, really small. Look at the third point here. We all know that the Bible says that it just takes the faith of a mustard seed. Michael, you like, you like my South Korean accent, don't you? It takes this, this, something as small as a, as a mustard seed, um, but a small portion of faith and trust leads to great outcomes. We have to take our identity on faith, and God will do great things in us. Let's look at the fourth point. Two more, and we'll finish up. Number four, remember what he calls you and how he sees you. Look at the verse here from Ephesians chapter 4. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You guys, we have to take it on faith. And if you may think, oh, but Rick, you just don't know what my life has been like. I've been a dirt ball. I've been mean. I've done this. I've had all these different things happening in my life. I can't find a job. You need to put on your new self that he's created you to be. And you need to take that step of faith and see yourself as that new creation. Look at the last point here. Number five, his yoke really is easy and his burden very is very light. I put in that it can be, and it can be. But it's up to us to just say, Lord, this is not me anymore. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in the back seat. I'm, ta- I'm taking you at your word, and I want to start living this effortlessly. It takes less effort to recognize who we are than to try to make us into somebody that we're really not supposed to be. Let's take a minute and pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to, uh, to come back up. Let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to hear your word. And Lord, I pray for each and every person this morning that they would begin to discover who they really are in you. I pray, Lord, that the folks that are here that uh, have been through a lot of things just personally, I've just been sensing that really all weekend long that there's people here that are sensing things. They're sensing that you, you're going through a lot of, a lot of uh, just hardships. And that you're ready for that yoke to be made by the Lord and for it to be your life to be easier for you.
I pray, Lord, that You would do an incredible work in them this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would yield to Your Holy Spirit and that we would recognize and yield to that encounter that we could have with You. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. That's our comforter and as our guide. I want you to look up here at me for a second. Some of you here this morning, and you're like, Rick, I really want to make this effortlessly for me, but I've got this thing. i got this thing that's just nagging me. Got to let it go. Some of you here, but Rick, my thing is like, it's uglier. It's been around forever. I've been looking at it but it's effortless. You got to drop it. And some of you here this morning, you're like, Rick, you don't understand. My junk is huge. Make it effortless. It's effortless to let it go. If you're here this morning, and you're ready to make things effortless and you're ready to let some things go, we're going to pray for you this morning. Would you stand up where you are? Also, this morning, if you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and had Him really activate something inside of you, like what happened when we were reading in the book of Acts in chapter 19, you just let us know. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to pray for you this morning. So if that's you, you're ready to drop some stuff off and make this effortless and you want an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to walk up here this morning and we're going to pray for you. Good deal. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Anybody else? You're ready just to drop some stuff off. Why don't you guys scoot over this way for me a little bit, Carrie, and let Tino come on up. You guys can face me, please. Anybody else? You want? You just want to have this interaction, this encounter with God. You're ready to drop some stuff off today. We're going to pray for you. Mary, would you come up and pray with us for some stuff? George, would you come up and pray for some people? Andrew, would you come up and pray for some ladies for me, please? Just ask them what they need, what, they're, what they need this morning, what they came up for, and just pray for them. Maurice, would you come up and pray with some, some men up here this morning? Meshach, would you come up and pray for some folks this morning? If they're looking for that encounter with the Holy Spirit, let's lay hands on them. Ask them specifically what they come forward for this morning and pray for them.
This morning, you can have a seat, but we're in no hurry. The Lord is so good to us. The Lord is so good to us. God, we thank you for your presence that's here. Your presence, your power, your grace, and your mercy that is present to change our lives. Thank you for so many of us. We prayed the prayer this morning that we'd leave here being imitators of you and that your word would change us. We thank you for that happening. Thank you for that happening. Thank you, Father. God gives us so much, doesn't He? He gives us so much. We deserve none of it, but He gives it to us because He loves us. Amen? Amen. Amen.